been a lot of discussion, rightly so, about the way the defense performed last week against Tom Brady, especially missing all those guys, but really, really especially with how hard they competed, how aggressive they were. But the offense did that, too. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll take the time to check out. The Steelers are flying out to Miami tomorrow. They'll be playing the Dolphins on Sunday night, 8.20 p.m. kickoff. I'll be there to cover that for DK Pittsburgh Sports. And the one thing that I am most interested in observing from the visiting team that night, and this goes for whether they win or lose, though I believe it's essential to them winning, is whether or not they'll compete like rabid animals the way they did the previous week on offense. And you knew that was coming, right? And with defense, there's all kinds of ways to define you know, what constitutes being aggressive? In Pittsburgh, we think of that as blitzing. But, my friends, we have never seen a defense blitz less than what we've seen out of this group since T.J. Watt went down. And for the most part, not universally, it's it's semi-somewhat pseudo-worked out. Uh, it certainly worked against Tampa Bay because they were able to generate heavy pressure from the interior, meaning Cam Hayward and Larry Okunjobi. Tom Brady hates pressure from the interior, and that frees up other options. It got Alex Highsmith involved. Even Malik Reed got back there for the first time. And we saw the secondary really ball out as well, including in their spirited attempts to bring down Leonard Fournette, which is never easy. But what won the game, meaning based on the score and the time of the game and when the ball was taken, was the offense taking that same approach, feeling like they're on the same page, according to players that I talked to afterward. They felt like they were in the same mindset, the same spirit. A lot of credit for that has gone to Mitch Trubisky. Great. Awesome. He was terrific. As a relief pitcher, he got himself a multiple-inning save there with a bunch of strikeouts. That's how that job's supposed to be handled. But he did it with an aggressive mindset that Kenny Pickett takes with him into every drive anyway. And Chase Claypool rose up, and Deontay Johnson rose up. And on that final drive, we saw the first-round pick version of Najee Harris maybe for the first time all season. They went at it. They didn't get passive. They didn't let the opponent dictate what they're going to do. And, oh, my goodness, do you already know where this segment is headed, right? What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Matt Canada was asked, 
<laughs> you knew I was going there. Come on. Don't act surprised. Matt Canada was asked yesterday in his weekly session with reporters, the only one that he or any of the coordinators do, about why Pickett's passing patterns last week started to look a lot more like what we'd gotten used to in the past, meaning everything short distances and left, right, left, right, left, right. And this was Canada's response. Sure. Like, like we said last week, we like to make some of my last things before we want to get them all going. With, with the weapons that we have, there's probably games that should be like that, right? You should probably have a game where a guy has a bunch of they're choosing to double K or they're focused on George or focused on Pat or, you know, I think that that's probably something that shouldn't be that uncommon, but obviously we have to have more productivity consistently, however it comes. You know what? That one's easy to pick apart. Okay, so I'm going to try to be fair here first. The defense does, to an extent, dictate what you do. It's common sense. Why would you throw at someone's best player in the secondary when you know they have the best chance of making a game-altering play against you? Okay? And, And Canada further referenced circumstances, and what he meant was, Third and longs. And there were a lot of third and longs because the running game didn't get going sufficiently. So on that note, believe it or not, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But not anymore. You have to take the mindset that this offense is going to be aggressive, that it's going to come right after you, that it's going to compete. Here comes that term again, like rabid animals. Because that's what we saw of them. And the less that any of them hear from this coordinator about having to stay away from certain parts of the field or having to do this or that because of this or that, just play football, man. Just play football. This won't be very popular with a lot of people, but there wasn't a whole lot to like about Todd Haley, okay? Not on the field, not off the field. But the one thing that I did really respect about his tenure was that he had no qualms with saying what kind of offense he had, what he expected it to do, and how nobody anywhere was going to be able to stop them if they did what they wanted to. Now, that's a lot easier said when you have Ben Roethlisberger uh, in his semi-prime and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and uh, that veteran offensive line and all the other weapons that they were blessed to have. But you still also have to have the mindset. And the week after your team goes out there and just lays it all there, lays it all on the ground, doesn't leave a thing, you've got to have their backs. You've got to let them go after the plays that they believe that they can make when we come back j1q welcome back it's time for just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbage, Kelly, and George. LGKG. They represent people who are 
hurt in car accidents who need assistance with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated Super Lawyers, capital S, capital L, for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The Super Lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at LGKG.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Frank Rice, who asks, Hey, DK, should I be worried about Kenny Pickett getting a concussion for a simple hit, and did he have any other problems in college? Frank, I'm going to answer the second part first, which is that no one ever knows this. Even the athletes themselves, if you ask them in a private moment, How many concussions did you have over the course of your career? They're not going to have that answer. In some cases, concussion can come with a minimal amount of symptoms, and yet neurologists will tell you that those should have counted. So we just don't know. You're a football player. You're playing a contact sport. As a quarterback, you're a target, so you're not instigating. So your chances of having your brain move on a hit or a violent motion is going to be greater than it is if you're the one who's instigating. And that, by the way, if I can just make a little bit of an aside here, Frank, as I've heard and read some stuff over the course of this week that's bugged me, people referring to the hit that was on Pickett as not being all that significant, can't understand how you would get hurt on something like that. Never mind that this is a sentiment that's rooted in like 1935 or something. But if you were paying attention to the full sequence, it's at least my belief that he doesn't get hurt on the original contact, but rather when his head goes whipping back toward the ground. I'm going to say this again. Concussions almost always are the result of the motion of the head as opposed to the contact. The brain moves. That is not good for the brain. Sometimes the brain can immediately find itself settled again, just like that, like magic. Other times, I'm going to take you back 20 years here. There was a player for the Penguins here who got hit with the tip of a stick tapped in the center of the chin. Alexei Morozov, for those of you who are hockey fans. Just if you'd seen this play, you wouldn't believe that it would have resulted in any kind of injury. He was out for weeks, and he was not the type to milk injuries. I knew Alexei. But it was exactly what the point was of the contact and the impact that it had on the brain, and there he went. And you were like, wow, really? That's all it took? And then you're talking about his history, and he doesn't know, and they don't know because they don't have firm records, and part of his upbringing was in Russia and everything else. So we just don't know. That is my answer for you. Should you be worried about him? Yes. But I will say that within the context that you should be worried about all football players in all settings, while also understanding that this is their chosen profession, their chosen passion. Kenny's a football player. He's been a football player his whole life. He's going out there to play football, and he's doing so with the blessings of the medical team of the franchise that really has been way, way, way ahead of everyone else in the NFL when it comes to evaluating and treating concussions. 
It's a football game. Things happen. Things happen. If you want to choose to be worried about it while it's going on, that's up to you. I appreciate the question. Your timing for it was perfect because let's remember there's a quarterback on the other side Sunday night who we should also be concerned about, to say the least. Let's do this again Monday, everybody. Thank you.